Hey, this is IndieQuest, and we're here to talk about indie games. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to IndieQuest, the celebration of the indie and obscure. My name is Josh. I'm here with my co-host, Steve. How are you doing, man? All things considered, I'm doing pretty dang good. How are you doing, man? Doing fantastic. I'm excited, too, because we have a special guest. We have Pam from the YouTube channel, Cannot Be Tamed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. So today, we're just going to do a, a kind of standard episode of IndieQuest, like just hang out and chill out. Um, we have a recurring segment I wanted to bring back which is pitch your indie game. So we're going to go around the table here. Each of us are going to just basically make up an indie game. We're going to pitch it to everybody else here. We're going to just go back and forth, ask questions about it, uh, try to build it out. Um, Steve, do you want to take the reins on this and start this off today? Oh my gosh, sure. Oh, I tell you, I am not a game designer in my heart. And whenever <laughs> I think of what I want to design, I just come up with like, What's a game that I can't play right now that I want to? So what I want, and this is very on brand for me, is I want something, I want to make a game that starts as a 2.5D platformer. You know, give me like, and these aren't indies, but give me like a Kirby the Crystal Shards, give me like a Klonoa, and then halfway through, messenger style, switch it up on me. And make it so that you can break the 2.5D limitation and those all those environments turn out to be 3D platformer worlds that you can jump around in and explore. How's that sound? Sounds good. That's a interesting idea. How would you pull that off? Like, I'm trying to think of how that would work. Like, I guess uh, you would probably start with the 3D environments and then you'd have like a 2D plane going through the center of it, maybe, that you kind of... I don't know. How do you think that would actually play out? Uh, So, like... Imagine like an outside environment and you just like kind of floating land masses and stuff that are built into curving abstract 2.5D levels, right? Because when you're playing a 2.5D platformer, you never think, oh, well, this, this doesn't, this isn't logically consistent. This, this level doesn't make any sense at all. You're just like going with the flow. And in the background, you see all these big, beautiful set pieces. You know, you see like a nice, see like a nice castle. Maybe it's a Christmassy level. You see a nice Christmas tree. And then when you get the ability, roughly halfway through the game to break that, you go back, you can leave that platform, you can go and explore what's inside that castle. You can go explore the entirety of that Christmas tree, stuff like that. I think it'd be pretty fun. Does the game have a story? It's a platformer, <laughs> so ideally not really. <laughs> I, I don't really want my platformers to have a lot of story. Like You can have a nice, a nice setup and a nice heartwarming conclusion, but... I don't want to be stopped uh, partway through to you have to interact with different characters and things like that. So it's just going to be pure gameplay here. Do you have any like characters in mind? Do you have a, a title for this thing? Any devs that could do it? Or would you want to do it on your own? You know, all that good stuff. All right. So help me help me workshop a good title for this one. Because okay. I was trying to think what what would be like a clever name? We could do like because it's halfway between a 2.5 and a 3D. We could call it 2.75. <laughs> or I was thinking 
is there a way to spin like platform transform even if the game's name is just platform but the word form is stylized into all caps i think Mm. that could work too I, i like platform a little more with the stylized i think yeah but in terms of devs too uh i don't let the mess let uh sabotage do it let the messenger folks do it i know they're working on that jrpg right now which looks really cool but let them take a stab at it if they need help with the 3d platformer sections pull in someone like what the uh, dinosaur bite studios the the team that's making clive and wrench let them do that half and make it like a superstar nice. collab project so uh we expecting that game in 2024 <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I, i'm in the early stages of development i got unity downloading right now and then we'll go from there (laughs) okay well pam do you have a game for us pitch us your indie game okay so my indie game i love when multiple genres get combined into one and one of my favorite nes games is the guardian legend so i was kind of going with that except i want it to be Mostly like non-linear 2D platformer, but also with some shoot 'em up segments um, put into it. And I was kind of uh, also a little bit unsure about the narrative part of it, but I decided I wanted to be like a, a vague story, like you know, sort of like Dark Soulsy Hollow Knight, and it's just sort of like little dropping of lore segments, no real you know, story to speak of. Um, but you're exploring this land that's been overtaken by nature. And mm. you're not like, you're, you're. it's not focused on like conquering it or killing things. It's more about figuring out what's going on. Like when you get new abilities, they're about like surviving and thriving in this environment more than like killing things in the environment. And as you go from like different levels or between you know, stages sort of, there's a, a shoot 'em up segment, but again, you're not really killing things. You're more like making a path through so that you can get to the next zone. Interesting. So uh, do you envision it being level-based with like swapping back and forth between the platforming and the shoot 'em up levels? Yeah. Yeah. Level-based sort of like how um, I mean, again, I've just been playing a lot of Hollow Knight lately. <laughs> so like how you have your zones in Hollow Knight. So like you would from when you would go from one to another, it would be that kind of thing. But like in that actual zone, it would just all be 2D platforming. Awesome. Uh, do you have a name or a dev that you'd like to work on this? Uh, so I was thinking for a name, something simple, like a one word, like forest word, like Thicket or wield or you know something like that, kind of mysterious, a little. Thicket is an extremely, extremely good name. If I saw a game called Thicket, I would immediately be down for it. Mm-hmm. And then as for devs, I was thinking it would be really cool if it had like the super giant, super intense color palette mm-hmm. to it. That would be really interesting. Um, but then I also thought, well, Team Cherry, because I'm basically copying them and just adding a few things to it. <laughs> it's the best Hollow Knight fan game that I'll ever play. <laughs> and I will not I'll be, be l- developing it myself. Any part of oh, it. We'll be, be looking at for, out for it on cannot be tamed.io in a couple of years. Um, my indie game is going to be one I've actually had in my mind for a while. <clears throat> so... Kind of got the inspiration from Flower. 
but it's a 2.5D style game. And you basically the setup for the whole thing is you see a kid spray painting like a stick figure on the side of the wall. And then you play that spray painted stick figure in this like super gray rundown city. And as you platform and defeat different objects in the environment, it turns that into like a beautiful spray painted like cityscape. So each level would be a different tower or building that you would be basically going around all the way up to the top, making it all beautiful and stuff. So say you see like a, a window unit of an air conditioner sticking out and you could jump on it and it turns into an enemy and you have to fight the enemy. And then when you beat the enemy, it turns into like a pink and neon colored like AC unit. And then you basically do that up the side of a building. And then by the time you're done with the game in each section, kind of think of like a Yoshi's Island style map where you see each section of the island. It's like that, but like a city. And then by the time you're done with the entire game, you have this super like neon, like kind of almost hurts your eyes. It's so bright and beautiful color <laughs> of a city. So yeah, that that's the name. That's the game I was been kind of thinking about forever. I don't think I'd ever be able to make it, but I think it'd be fun to play. Sorry if I missed it. Is it a two point or is it a two D platformer on the sides of the buildings themselves? Like you're actually playing as the the drawing. Yeah, you're the drawing going around the building up, 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 up. All the way around it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be pretty cool because you could do, you could mess with different building architectures and stuff too, right? Like you could do big skyscrapers. You could have uh, like old architecture, like churches and stuff. Uh, you could do like residential homes, all sorts of different things. That'd be fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of like the idea of a bunch of artists getting together and being like, okay, you guys just make a bunch of cool graffiti and then you can kind of like put that in on the cities, you know, as you're as your uh, art be cool you mentioned flower like what's the what's your envision difficulty because i'll be honest my brain is going right to pedestrian which we talked about not that long ago uh which was mm. kind of a similar ish concept but on street signs so uh, with you invoking flower are you thinking of it being very like kind of effortless and 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 painless to get through or or what kind of platforming yeah, I don't think it would be like a super difficult platformer. It'd be kind of more of like experiencing it, uh, just kind of getting those just nice, uh, nice vibes. Honestly, I think if I could get them to do it, that game company would be the people I would want to make the game because, you know, they, they're really good at just making a game that feels good to play, isn't too challenging, and it's more of an experience than like, oh, it's super difficult, you know. Free flowing. Yeah. That sounds cool. What's the name of this magical game? Yes, sir. I was thinking the name would be Graffiti Blast with an exclamation point. <laughs> graffiti Blast? Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to workshop that one a little bit, buddy. <laughs> okay. I don't know if the word blast tells me that I'm about to chill out. When I think blast, I think I'm about to go hardcore. Maybe just graffiti then. That's it. There you I go. don't know. We're all the sucker for like a simple one word game title. We've been conditioned mm-hmm. to think that that is the, the way to go. There's just so many with subtitles and colons and don't need that nonsense. Do you think we'll hit a point where it loops back around and it starts being like band names where every game title is obnoxiously long? Like, <laughs> I have no mouth and I must scream becomes the standard type of name for video games as we run out of one-word answers. Maybe. Yeah. I could see it. 
Well, what's uh, what's uh, what, what, when are we going to see this game, man? Because it sounds like you're basically just trying to trying to make a game that I want to play. You're invoking that game company. You're invoking Journey. Uh, you're invoking Flower. Let's just say 2033. Um, you're going to see it on uh, the uh, Amazon infrastructure itch.io mega cloud. Be looking out for it. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to scroll pretty far down the quest log by the time 2033 comes around. Oh, the quest log brought to you by our games, our graffiti and uh, Thicket and what was your Steve's? I think Platform is the name that we Platform, on. yeah. Be on, be on the lookout for that in uh, in in, t- in twelve years. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so what we're gonna do next is what we always do on Indie Quest. We're gonna bring some games. We're gonna have some game discussions. Our indie picks, and we're gonna let the guests go first here. So Pam, what did you bring for your indie pick today? So for my indie pick, I, you told me to pick a game and I literally made a list of like 15 games. I'm like, which one of these shall I talk about? Uh, But I'm going to take the game that was my game of the year in 2020, which is Paradise Killer and talk about that for a little while. I'm excited about this one. I I still have very much been wanting to play it. So even though I'm already sold, I'm I'm ready to be (laughs) sold even harder. Excellent. Move it up the backlog. Uh, okay, so Paradise Killer came out in 2020. It was developed by Kaizen Gameworks. And it is a combination of a visual novel with a free-roaming open world. And you are an investigator who is investigating a murder. Actually, a number of murders. Um, it's very open. You can like roam around where you want. You can do some platforming. Um, but then you interrogate people. And when you interrogate them, it sort of goes to a more visual novel format. So whereas it was all 3D, when you approach a character, they're kind of a 2D model that, you know, sort of switches around as you come to them. Like, so you're always facing the front of them. Um, nice. Uh, and it's just a really interesting game. It's got an absolutely bonkers story, which is, I will give a little summary. Um, you're on an island, which is called Paradise Island. And this island was created by a group of immortals who worship a bunch of dead alien gods. <laughs> That's and amazing. They, <laughs> and they make these islands as an attempt to like, conjure their energy to bring these gods back except that all the energy also attracts demons so the islands end up getting corrupted and they like scrap them and try again so on the eve of the night that they're gonna do their 25th island which is supposed to be the perfect island although i'm sure the last 24 were supposed to be good too um Mm -hmm. (laughs) someone murders the entire council who's in charge of everything So you play a character, uh, she's an immortal, her name is Lady Love Dies, she's an investigation freak, and they bring her in to investigate what happened and sort of find her interpretation of the events and who murdered the council and who needs to be punished for it. My gosh. Wow. (laughs) I don't even know, like, I don't know how to process that. It's... (laughs) So does the fact that there's all these immortal characters being murdered, are the ones being murdered the immortals? And is that like 
does that become relevant to the story? And if it's a spoiler, you can just say, oh, no, go play the game. Um, I don't think so. I think you're immortal. Like, you don't die, but you can be killed. So kind of like vampires oh. or something. Yeah, like vampires. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Except yeah. they're not vampires. But uh, yeah, so you can still be murdered, but you wouldn't die if left up to your own devices, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's very cool. So you walk around in first person. There's a little bit of platforming, and you can get new platforming abilities like faster movement speed or uh, double jumps, things like that. And you can also roam around looking for secrets and collectibles and items that give you little pieces of lore. But you also have a, an assistant who's this computer and it keeps track of all the information. So you get a file for everyone where you can see like possible motives, their alibi, any alibi breakers you discover. And it sort of keeps you on track. So if you ever get stuck, you can be like, oh, well, there's this thing I haven't followed up on yet. So you can figure out where to go. And yeah, it's just all very cool. It, um, you, can end the game basically whenever you want. Like after the introduction, you're at the courthouse where the game ends. And if you want to, you can just turn right around and walk into the courthouse and be like, all right, I know who did it. <laughs> and you can start the trial then. Uh, or you can go and scour every single bit of information there is. So it's pretty much just trying to figure out as much information as you can to do that final court scene, basically. That's yeah. pretty much the, the drive for the game. Yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Much. It's very cool. I was just I I got it near the end of the year and I was just absolutely hooked. I couldn't couldn't put it down. It's not often that cool. there are games like that where I understand the individual component pieces, but I can't think of any other game that is combining them in a similar way. Yeah, exactly. I can't think of that either. And especially doing it so well, like as I said, I really like multiple genres all combined into one. So definitely liked how this managed to be so many different things at once. Awesome. Um, it sounds like it has a cool style to it. So how does the music pair with the style? How do you feel about the soundtrack on the whole? So the whole style of the game is very like vaporwave. Like it's that sort of 80s neon blues and pinks and the soundtrack uh, which is by Barry Topping uh, who also goes by Epoch he made the soundtrack and it's again a vaporwave so it's got synths it's kind of poppy kind of jazzy almost sounds like something you'd hear over a PA in a mall in the 80s but it's just like chill lounge music <laughs> but also like upbeat at the same time um, I just got the the vinyl came in this past week so super excited about that that's awesome i i might just leave now and go play it like i'm, I'm legit <laughs> like all right maybe i'm just gonna go download this game because i'm looking at screenshots of it too uh until now i didn't even really realize that it had this like platforming element in my brain i guess i was just mm -hmm. assuming that it was like Danganronpa but with a style that I jived with a little harder and now I'm learning that there's more that I want to check out too so yeah the platforming's cool like it's nothing nothing very difficult but you'll often you know you can see out over this whole island and you can be like oh like I see a little collectible over there and you sort of have to figure out how to make your way 
through it. Uh, there's a demon called Shinji who sort of follows you around and he just keeps appearing random places. So you often just go off following him to find a new place and a new place to like discover and investigate. Awesome. Well, any other closing thoughts you have on it? Any other last things you want to mention before we determine its place, its fate? Um, the only other thing I have to say is that all the characters are really hot. <laughs> <laughs> some, some are a little on the furry side for me, but they're, they're all nice. And there is a, there's like a tiny little romance component, which I always like. <laughs> this is like a thing now with indie games, right? We've got this. We've got Hades. They're mm-hmm. they're just sexually what charging every every character now. And, all right. Yeah. What's that uh, dad boyfriend game that came out a couple years ago? I can't. Oh think yeah. Of that yeah. <laughs> anyway, awesome. So what we do on IndieQuest is we have the quest log that we are slowly building out over time. We got two sections to the main quest. Oh, to the main quest. To this. I'm going to do that again. We have two sections. That, that's the good part about me being able to edit this. <clears throat> we have two sections to the quest log, which is the main quest and the side quest. If it's a main quest game, it's one of those games that you just kind of ride hard for. It's like a game that you're going to put in the passenger seat of your convertible and just drive down the highway and just enjoy your time with. But if it's a side quest game, it's maybe one you'll occasionally throw into the trunk of your car, but it, it, it's still your buddy, you know? You, you'll, you like it pretty good. I don't know if this uh, metaphor is working at all, but <laughs> the main quest game is a perfect 100% play it right now style of game. And the side quest game is like, it's a great game. We still recommend it, but here's a couple caveats. So, Pam, where are you going to put, what is it, Paradise Killer? Yeah, where are you going to put Paradise Killer? Um, I am going to put it on the main quest i'm putting it on the passenger seat of my evo i'm racing the ferrari i'm i'm going for it (laughs) awesome (laughs) i second that i look forward to agreeing once i play it is that the first time we've had a guest put a game on the the quest log i think so i think so and we didn't even have to veto it or anything that worked out pretty smooth all right awesome so steve what's your game what's your indie pick today uh? I had to dig I had to dig deep, all right, for this one. I was trying to think what's one that uh I have a lot of fondness for, but I feel like I can relatively succinctly describe. Uh because I knew we'd have three games in this episode and I wanted to be able to to get through them without taking four hours of Pam's time. And then I just kind of threw that all out the window and chose a game that I can't explain no matter how hard I try, <laughs> which is Antichamber. Um, I always have to ask, have either of you played Antichamber before? Yes. No. Okay. So it is a non-Euclidean geometry-based first-person puzzle game. Non-Euclidean is very much a word that I use in context, but if someone like individually asked me to describe it, I would fall to pieces and not really be able to give you a good definition. (laughs) It's like a, you know, when you see it type thing, Um, but it's, it's first person puzzle, you know, in the style of the witness or something like that. Very simple visual design. Uh, The most rooms are just white hallways, like plain black lines, but then there are these bright pops of color. That sort of accentuate the different rooms and the different puzzle areas, things like that. But the hook of this game is that 
being non-Euclidean, the space doesn't conform to like the natural laws of the physical world. And so you'll go down a hallway and you'll turn right and keep going. You'll turn right, keep going, you'll turn right. And you'll turn right like 12 times when in reality that wouldn't be possible. And eventually it'll spit you out in a new destination. Um, or you'll go up a set of stairs and you'll end up on a floor well below where you just started. It just does like a lot of that type of thing that messes with your head. You have to do a lot to memorize the space. And then on top of that, the sort of core mechanic is you get this, I guess it's a gun. I don't, imagine like the portal gun, but if the portal gun only shot cubes and vacuumed up cubes, it's like half portal gun, half Luigi's mansion vacuum, I guess. But you'll, it, you'll take this gun, you'll go into a room, you'll, find these cubes on the wall or something you'll suck them into your gun and you'll need to put them into another spot and then all the puzzles are solved on combinations of that so you might be blocking lasers with the the cubes that you're moving around you might be blocking doorways you might just need to be like filling in a hole in the wall something like that and the entire game is just about you basically wandering this weird confusing space sort of just trying to figure out the purpose. I mean, there is sort of a little bit of a progression, but by and large, you're just sort of enjoying the experience of going through it. Yeah, I actually played this game all the way. I played it a few times and like got stuck a few times, but I played all the way through recently, like within the past year to to bring it to my other podcast, Quick Save Club. So I actually like played it a few times and like broke everything down and learned about the game and stuff. So I think the game is really clever in the way it does its like the guns have like a level like each time you go to a new area you discover like a new color and it does like a different thing like one just sucks up one cube and then one like will suck up a bunch of red cubes and like multiply them so you can use them to like get to higher areas things like that and I think the the puzzles in this game are the the type of puzzles where you'll like beat your head against it like a million times sometimes and then you have to like go away and then come back with fresh eyes and then you're like, oh, okay, I see what I got to do. That type of puzzle. But to me, I thought this game was really rewarding and fun to kind of piece out. And I think it has a really striking art style if you haven't seen it. Yeah, very much. It, it takes a good screenshot. It's it's simple, but you you get the style that they're going for very quickly. and it has it's pretty non-linear both in its design and in its gameplay uh so you can wander around and basically just like discover things as you go and i say that there's not much of a uh i don't say it, there's not much of a purpose but it's sort of left up to you to wander and and find the purpose there are these like hidden or sometimes not so hidden uh little like panels that'll show a very basic like stick figure picture and when you find one of those, there's a main hub you can go back to, and it'll show all those panels that you found on one big wall. And then in that main hub, you can also hop to any, like, main chamber that you have found before. So you'll, like, hop all over this world and basically just try to find upgrades for that gun, find these different panel icons, and ultimately sort of find the end. One thing I did notice is there's a little, like, I guess there is a story to this game. They have like little panels with little sayings on them. Do you think it actually has a real story? Honestly, <laughs> uh, it has enough of a story to have a wiki, but it, I think it has a wiki just because people like the game so much that they want to make a wiki for it. <laughs> I don't think that it really needs one. 
it's one of those things that it's so vague that almost any interpretation that you bring to it is going to to map on and, and latch appropriately, but it's pretty story light. And it's been a long time since I played it, uh, but I don't think there was really any like voiced dialogue or anything like that. There may have been some like general narration or something, but by and large, I think it's just you alone in this environment. So is the, like, there's a lot of first person puzzlers out there. I guess the, the open worldness of it is sort of what differentiates it from other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine like, uh, if every portal chamber was connected in various weird ways and you could kind of wander between all of them in whatever order you discover them uh, or whatever Mm -hmm. order that you figure things out. Or I feel like later on down the line, the way that the witness is designed ends up being sort of borrowed from this game or at least taken some light inspiration from it. Cause yeah, the fact that there are multiple different uh, passages you can go down and explore is sort of it's, it's hook. But then again, there are Mm -hmm. also very much Metroid, or, you know, Hollow Knight style gates <laughs> where you can't get into a specific area until you have found one of the particular color gun upgrades. And then you'll be like, oh, I remember finding a door that was full of those weird red cubes that kept replicating as soon as I tried to pull them into my gun. Now I have the tool to get in there. And then that'll bring you to a whole new set of puzzles. I think that door's pretty cool. Above it, it actually says exit. So you're like, you kind of see it like early on too. So you're like, how do I get. I- I don't understand this. And then, of course, like you said, you eventually get a gun for it. So, yeah. And I'm always hesitant when you say it's cube-based puzzles because that's like the stereotype of bad game design. But they're (laughs) they're little mini cubes. You're not pushing them around. They're just, they happen to be cubes. (laughs) You're not like moving them onto switches and stuff like that. And all in all, it's a pretty short game. I think it's like four or five hours, depending on how much you get lost in it. But they do a good job playing with the different types of puzzles. There's a lot of those cube puzzles I mentioned, but then they also will play with some of the other aspects of the design. Like, you know, you'll come up on a wall that just has like a pair of eyes. You need to just stare at the wall for four or five seconds to get the eyes to blink. Like you have to beat the wall in a staring <laughs> contest and that'll open up the way. <laughs> so it does weirder stuff like that too. But uh, in terms of the soundtrack, it was composed by Siddhartha Barnhorn. I'm sorry if I'm destroying your last name. But it's very, very slow, synthy, ambient music. It's like individual notes stretched out for 20, 30 seconds at a time sometimes. So it's, at least for me, it's not something that I would put on and actively listen to. But it's really chill, very relaxing. It's like if you went and got a massage, you wouldn't be surprised if this was playing in the background. (laughs) It's like meditative, probably, right? It's a good word for it. Yeah, very much so. Okay, you got any final thoughts, any random uh, things you want to bring up for Antichamber before we put it on the log today? Um, just a couple of, like, fun facts, like lightning round trivia. There are some cool, like, little hidden dev rooms, so if you're really dedicated to this game, you can get a little more out of it in that way. Uh, and there are multiple solutions to a lot of the puzzles. It's the type of game where, especially once you're 
your arsenal expands a little bit and the gun gets upgraded, you can like cheese puzzles or like think there's no way that this is possibly the way that they wanted me to do this. <laughs> and sometimes it is actually how they wanted you to do it. And sometimes it's not, but it, it, it lets you do it and it like doesn't stop you. And it's, it, it's fun to sort of work out your own jank solutions to stuff. And then if anybody wants to experience this game in hyper speed, the speed runs for this game are like one minute long. <laughs> and there, there's like a rift in the community about using certain skips. So they split the speed runs into two different categories that they call like warps and no warps. And the difference is that warps is like 53 seconds and no warps is like a minute and 40 seconds. Like it is not, <laughs> it is not substantially different at all. <laughs> I actually watched one when when I read that fact here in our notes. I was like, I gotta watch this, and it's it's pretty impressive. They really do some crazy things to kind of like if you don't know what they're doing, you're kind of like, what is going on right now? And then they're at the end. So yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I only bring that here because when this game first came out, I like was having fun speed running it for a little bit, and back then I could do it in like five minutes, and so I was like, I wonder how much faster they've gotten at this game, and it turns out. Very, very fast. (laughs) Much faster. (laughs) But, yeah, I think that's it. So the question always comes down, right, is, is this going to be a main quest or a side quest? Now, usually I just just throw out my answer, right? I just take charge, I tell you what it's going to be, and and Josh just has to put up with it. But you've played this game before, (laughs) so I'm curious. (laughs) If you were me right now, would you be main questing or side questing it? I honestly think it's a side quest because it's kind of almost a little impenetrable if you're not willing to sit with it and actually learn the systems in the world, I think. What do you think? So it's a side quest because you aren't smart enough for it. I understand. <laughs> I Well, I did, okay, like I said, I did a podcast for it. I was the only <laughs> one who beat it. And then the other guys were just complaining about how weird and like how, how hard it was, but... Whatever. I don't know. I, I had a good time with it. I, I don't know. For me, I'm, the caveat might be that if you put it on a side quest, but I don't know. I'm leaving it up to you. It's your game. What do you think? <laughs> no, I think I tend to agree with you uh, for different reasons, though. One is that I, while it does mix up the, the puzzle gameplay a little bit, I mean, at the end of the day, you are doing a lot of cube based things. And so you have to be down for that. And two, I, I, respect this game a lot for what it did i feel like it inspired a lot of games moving forward but it does have a little bit almost of like a prototypey feel to it so um and i don't remember if i mentioned this at the top of the show it's developed by someone named alexander bruce who i don't think has done any other game development since then like i i I did some research and they have some credits on like playtesting various things and they have like a little bit of a credit on Glitter Mitten Grove, if you know what that is. But other than that, it's frog, like Frog Fractions 2 or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. they dropped this game. I feel like it kind of blew up. And then they just were like, all right, I made my money. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> One and done. They're living the dream. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is a solid side quest. It would be like it would be like a senior director of side quests. It's very good, though. Nice. So I guess it's my turn, huh? I mean, I I guess. I don't know. We're running a little low on time. Maybe we should just cut yours and... No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. 
I could have do one of my other 15 games. <laughs> <laughs> I even told you, I was like, if you want, you can bring multiple games. I don't even care. I was like, go ahead. <laughs> I, um, Not that it's a real concern, but we always have this, this worry between the two of us of what if the other one brings a game I really love before I have the chance to bring it. Then, mm. then they get their name associated to bringing it. They get all that, all that clout. And so I was like, oh no, Pam's played so many good games. There's a very real chance she's going <laughs> to snipe one out from my list, but <laughs> did not. So we're good. That's the risk you, you take bringing people on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I was pretty sure both of you, and, sorry, I was pretty sure both of you hadn't played it. So that's also part of the reason I picked that one. No, I haven't, but and it's one of those ones that I've heard like multiple people talk about, including you. So it's like I've actually bought it, and I just haven't played it yet. So yeah. But what what have you bought and played? What have <laughs> I bought and played? Oh, okay. Decent segue. It's better than what I could do. Um, my game is a game called What the Golf. It's developed by Triband Studios and published by The Label, which is like an indie publisher in 2019 it originally came out on the apple arcade so it was mostly like a mobile focused game at first but it later came out on pc and the switch so what the golf is their tagline for the game is it's the golf game for people who hate golf so pretty much it's the golf game where you don't really usually play with golf balls and if you do it's a weird set of circumstances so the way they kind of introduce the game for example, you start off, you do a basic just golf game, and the controls are very simple. If you're on a thumbstick, you just pull back to, uh, or you actually push forward, I think, yeah, to give it more power, and then you just push the button and the golf ball goes the direction you aim the arrow at. If you're on a phone or like a touchscreen, like on the Switch, you just basically drag backwards, and the more backwards you drag it, the more power you give it, basically. And so, just say the first level, there's a golf ball and a hole and you just put it in there and they're like okay then i get the kind of basic mechanics and the second time you pull it back and you're about to hit the golf ball but the actual dude hitting the golf ball just flies off and you're controlling him <laughs> so take that and just like expand that concept to like a million different fun ideas so say like you're a race car and you're playing golf with a race car or you're a couch and you have to get to the tv that's next to the flag and you're just smashing this couch across the map so it's that with like like i said a million ideas so think of like mario where they have like one idea and then okay we're gonna move on do something else and then they do another idea that's pretty much what this game is yeah so this is one that i have played and it, it constantly the entire time i was playing it every time i'd get to a new set of stages i would like run upstairs to my girlfriend and i'd be like look at this one. Look how fun. Look at the crazy <laughs> idea they just came up with. It's very much like a, you want to just hold the game out and show it to people. Like, look at it. Look at how cool it is. The basic like level structure is you, you're in like a top down map as a golf ball. You play as a golf ball, basically. And then you go into different levels in areas. So you go into there into a level, there'll be like a basics part that kind of introduces the mechanics. So say like, like I said, the dude with the golf ball, you know, you're basically the golf ball as the dude. And then you'll have another stage that kind of takes that and gives it like a little bit of a challenge. And then there's like a crown stage is like the ultimate challenge for that hole. So basically you have an area with maybe like, I think it's like 15-ish. I think it's 10 to 15 depending on the, the world zone. And each of those have three different holes you can play in there. So it's a lot of content too. 
So once you do all that, you can go to the next world, and each world has kind of a gimmick, like, setting. So one will be like, this is the beach setting, this is the desert setting, this is the mountain setting, and uh, they kind of play with that as you go through. And then there's also settings that are just straight ripoffs of games or like homages <laughs> to other games like um do you think i should give one of them away just to give an example or yeah i would say so yeah. okay so say there's a super hot stage literally uh. is super hot it's black it's you know that exact color style when you move the golf ball the world moves just like in super hot so you have this the sound effects that are similar to super hot the gameplay that's similar but you're playing golf so they kind of do that with a bunch of different games and genres, which it just makes it a lot of fun. I I think this is one of those games where I just had fun seeing the next level and then actually get, it's actually challenging too. Like I said, the crown stages will actually challenge your ability a bit. I don't think it's like impossible to play, but I think it has like nice like line between super creative and just super fun and challenging. Like just to to make it very clear to people, when it when we say that it does an homage to other games, it's not like, oh, it uses the same mechanic as in Super Hot, where when like the ball move time moves, like, no, it is using the exact visual design of Super Hot. <laughs> when you get the ball in the hole, it will it either says like Super Golf or Super Putt, one of those two, but it like ends saying Super Hot in the exact same way, like. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing to the point where I don't know they must have maybe even gotten permission from different studios or something because it is so spot on it it and that's just one of many that are in this game and it's just you're always like oh my gosh I'm so surprised by the the ideas they come up with that's cool so are the is the visual style and like the sound effects and everything just changing up constantly Oh, so it does have a very basic look to it. It's it's a kind of a very simple polygonal art style. So I think they did that on purpose so they can change the color palette up and then change the perspective up occasionally too. So there are like um like there's an arrow there's a a stage where you're basically doing bow and arrow golf. Basically, you're you're <laughs> playing with like a guy shooting bow and arrow, so that's like a 2D perspective, but it's the same art style. So I think they left it simple so they could use the idea and the simple color palette to expand it to all these other genre looks and styles. So I think that's pretty creative on their part. Uh, They do some, like they will borrow similar concepts for different levels. Were there any that you enjoyed more or that you enjoyed less uh, in terms of those like different themed play styles? There was one stage that was like one of the challenge stages that I got stuck on that I had to keep going back to and trying that's based on, let's just say it's based on a very popular indie game because I don't really want to give it away, but it was like (laughs) a a pretty challenging stage for me. I think that it had kind of like, I think they were paying homage to the game almost too much because they made it super challenging (laughs) to fit the theme of that game, you know? Um, But yeah, that's probably the only one I didn't like too much. There's also like different like styles like so say like in golf you have like a par you have to get a certain par or you're trying to get the least amount of par so some of the the holes will be like do this in five shots do this in four shots do this in seven shots whatever and then some of them are which i don't think the par ones are too hard but the ones that do bother me a little bit and they can be tedious because you get like a very short time limit to get to the hole across the entire map so it's kind of like trial and error and sometimes that can feel a little 
annoying, I guess, because they they give you like, okay, you got five seconds and you got to get all the way over there with (laughs) this TV set that you are right now for some reason. But you know what I mean? Whatever character you're playing at the time. Uh, Yeah, I I would agree. I think that those ones tend to be the ones that drag a little bit, but there's so much like other diversity across the different playstyles. Anytime they use the visual gag and they they do this a couple times, but it's always effective. Anytime they use the visual gag where you wind up your shot and then it's not the ball that you're expecting to move that launches, like when you like you mentioned the golfer launches or like the entire landmass that you're standing on launches <laughs> off into the distance. It's yeah. always so good. <laughs> you know, you mentioned it's a basic visual style and it does a lot of different things. It plays with the mechanics of a golf game very well. Uh does it do uh, an equal amount of diversity with the soundtrack or, or what's the, what's the soundtrack like? I would say the soundtrack is just really like upbeat and just chill kind of, it's a little in the background. It's, it's a subtle soundtrack, I would say, but it has these like vocals that are really like charming um, like you said, it said like super hot and stuff, but it does that for like almost every golf, like different thing that has like a voice in the background. And then like, they will take the parody style of like the songs and they'll be like, do, 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 you know, whatever the song is. And they'll have like little voices in the background singing it. So I think that's pretty fun. Um, but all in all, it's just like a really nice upbeat and I would say it's jaunty, the soundtrack. It just ma- it makes you feel good to listen to. Yeah, it it it's it's a smile packaged into a soundtrack. I'd go I'd go so far as to say it. Any other thoughts or any other uh final points either for or against this game that you want to mention? Not not any against. I do think this game is pretty pretty fun. It's an, it's surprising at every turn. I think that they give you enough surprises as you go through the game and enough unlocks to keep it interesting and to keep you going through it. I think the game probably takes, if you do everything, get 100%, I think it took me like 12 hours. But if you just went through like the mainline stages, you probably could do it in about five, I would say, something like that. Um, but ultimately, it's just, I'm not a, I'm not on, I'm not a golf guy, golf game fan. I think <laughs> golf games are just okay. Like, I think they're all right. But this the way they play with the mechanics and just kind of turn everything on their head over and over again makes it just so much fun to go through and just see what little surprises they have in store on the next go round, which I think is great. Yeah. Did you play this on the switch or on the iPad or iPhone? I actually played it on my computer, played it on PC. Oh, interesting. So yeah. I'm curious to know how some of that worked because it's without spoiling anything, you know, you may have a different experience playing some parts of this game on a device without gyroscopic controls. And so I'm curious how the PC version played in comparison to those other ones. We can, we can chat offline. I, I don't know if there was any gyroscopic, they might've skipped that. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, there's, there's, there's parts where, the world twi- twists and turns, but maybe it's automatically doing it instead of being gyro. I don't know. Honestly, I just played with the, I think it was my Xbox one controller and just on my computer. So awesome. Yep. Very cool. Well, uh, you know, I think that brings us down to the age old question. Where in the quest log you want to slot this one in? 
well, I, I'm not going to put it on the side quest. I'm going to make it a main quest, even though I was a little negative about the racing challenges. But like you said, I think the, this, the pure variety and fun factor, like for the entire game just outweighs even the smallest, you know, qualms I have with it. So it's definitely for me, it's just a happy fun game you get some chuckles out of it you'll just feel good playing it i think it's just a really fun game to like even just have somebody in the room just like passing the controller back and forth just having a good time i think it's one of those that will put you in good spirits so for me it's a solid main quest game yeah i would agree with that too one of my great shames is putting this solo on my 2019 game of the year list so this is my way of making <laughs> up for that mistake so i think we we came we uh logged it up I didn't actually make any hole jokes this entire time. And we're talking about freaking golf holes. Like, why didn't I make any hole jokes? Anyway. Um, you set the bar low. I, I, I set the bar low, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I uh, it's a kind of an awkward place to, to throw it over to Pam to plug her stuff. But go ahead and plug your content, Pam. <laughs> what, what do you got on the internet for people to check out? I'm not going to make a whole joke here. Um, so I make YouTube videos. My YouTube channel is called Cannot Be Tamed. And I talk mostly about retro games but occasionally some indie or just basically whatever i've been playing or picking up um you can also find me on twitter at underscore josila underscore oh wait at josila underscore too many underscores there um and that's about it congrats on hitting sixty thousand subs by the way oh thank you so much yes it just happened today so like always thanks for hanging out with us uh you can find me on twitter at Frantic Society, and my other podcasts are Box Office Bliss and Frantic Thoughts. Check them out on your favorite podcasting platform. And Steve, where can they find you on the interwebs? Find me on Twitter and Twitch as Blinkoom ends with an M, M like magician. Or you can reach out to the show on Twitter at IndieQuestPod. I actually wanted to note here to make sure to rate and review us on podcasting platforms. Which is something I don't think we plug too often, so please do that. I actually saw that Pam left us a review on the <laughs> iTunes for Canada, so thank you for that. That's Aww. awesome. So, so if anybody, <laughs> <laughs> so make sure if you listen to the show and you've been enjoying it to go leave us five stars over there. And we want community indie game thoughts, questions, feedbacks, content concerns whatever you have on your mind send us an email at anyquestpod at gmail.com and you'll probably hear it on the show we're also a part of the fantastic polymedia network pam what's your favorite show on the polymedia network except for indie quest because obviously that's your favorite make me pick one favorite that's hard um i i like the original the og polykill that's they're all fantastic I think that's because Steve's that's here, a, right? That's a good pick. No, she said the OG. She didn't specify season one or two, and I'm I'm too nervous to ask, so I'll just take the compliment and run. <laughs> I'll put you on a spot there. Um, but yes, Polykill. Uh, Steve, pitch pitch Polykill for the folks. Uh, it is uh just kind of like an hour and a half long comedy routine that disguises itself as being about beating video games. At least half of the co-hosts on that show beat video games and the other half aspire to someday. But it is very fun and very good and very worth your time. We also have the Tales of the Lesser Medium, which is a breakdown of video game storylines in a very humorous fashion. I love that show. And then we got PD's Power Hour. We got PD over there talking about alcohol. 
and all things related. And I know you've been on an episode, Pam, and I have as well. So go check those out if you like our voices and want to hear more of them. Petey knows everything about alcohol, about wine, very informative and entertaining. We have Off Kilter, which I don't know if that exists anymore, but there's a backlog there. Um, <laughs> I think I think Brian played like 3,000 hours of Valheim, so I mean, I think he's he done. He come back now. <laughs> yeah, he's done with Valheim, so maybe he'll uh, he'll throw some episodes up there. But it, if not, there's a backlog. There are a lot of fun episodes of just a bunch of people in the community hanging out, having a good time. So I think that's a cool show. And then last but not least, we got Drunk Friend. Uh, we got Alex from... Snest Drunk, and we got Trav from Nest Friend. They sit down and interview just a bunch of really cool people. And they, you're so cool, Pam. They interviewed you twice, so it's pretty cool. That's true. That was cool. I'm cool. I agree. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, which podcasts have you yet to guest on on the network? I mean, you have to just go for the full run at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just. Tales, which isn't really a guest show. They just need to have like a side character with your voice or something, like just yeah, for I can a... voice a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll talk to our people. We'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out with us, Pam. Um I was gonna have you close out the show today. So all the rigmarole's done, so I think we're done with the show. Thank you guys for listening. And Pam, why don't you leave us with a nice comment? For the audience out there. Everyone, thank you for listening. Keep yourselves healthy, be good, and keep playing those indie games. Agreed. Should I make the Trav joke? Well, I guess I'll just start my recording now. <laughs> <laughs> Does he make that every episode? <laughs>